0: Take your Bibles and turn to Luke 2. Luke 2, verses 8 and following. Hope you're doing well this morning. Again, welcome to the first Sunday of Advent, uh, one of our favorite, favorite times of year. In 1865, an Englishman named William Chatterton Dix penned the words to a poem that was entitled The Manger Throne. A few years later, the first three stanzas of that poem were set to an old English tune uh, called Green Sleeves. That soon became known as the beloved Christmas carol, What Child Is This? The combination of poetry and music was first published in the uh, United Kingdom in 1871. And for the last almost 150 years, people have been singing this carol. It's become one of the favorites. And really the title from The Manger Throne got changed because of the first line of the hymn, which is this, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing haste, haste to bring him laud the babe, the son of Mary. The title of This hymn is really the series I want to do for the next four weeks to answer in some form the question, What child is this? What child is this? And I want to look at the various characters of Christmas and their perspective on the child that will hopefully answer the question for many of us about uh, the child Jesus. So, let's look at Luke's gospel. Luke 2, verses 8 through 20, which TV and Earth are read for us at the beginning of the service as we lit the Advent candle. But let's look at it again. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see your glory, to see your goodness, to see who you really are, how you've touched each of our lives. Lord, as we look at the shepherds afresh and anew, as we celebrate your table together, I pray that the babe, the son of Mary, we would know that this is Christ, the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at the shepherds a little bit this morning, just for a moment, and talk about uh, the shepherds and the message. First point is this the message comes to the shepherds the message comes to the shepherds now I, I don't think this is probably new information for most of you if you've been to christmas over a number of years at some church fullness or some other church you've probably heard me or some other minister talk about how unique it was that the shepherds were the first ones to receive the message of jesus christ that really As far as the social ladder is concerned, the the shepherds were near the bottom. Uh, They were misfits. They were outcasts. Now, for us, it's kind of hard to believe because of all that's been talked about as far as shepherds are concerned. But because of their work with sheep and because of who they are, there were some certain things about shepherds. Number one, they couldn't go into the temple to worship until they had spent seven days Uh, in some sort of purification or cleansing process before they could even go into the temple and worship. So it's hard for a shepherd to take seven days off uh, because sheep need constant care. So very seldom did they get to go into the temple and worship. As a result, they were never really making sacrifices, though they uniquely provided the sacrifices. They weren't making them. And because it attracted kind of a certain type of people, it had gotten to the point where a shepherd's testimony wasn't even admissible in their courts. So as far as outcasts concerned and social ladder, they were at the bottom. And, you know, we find it unique that the message, the first time Jesus is born, didn't come to like the mayor of Bethlehem or the king of Israel, Herod, or even Caesar Augustus. It came to the outcasts. The myths fits. I think there's a reason for that. And and when the angel says to them, he's been born, they say to themselves, let's go see. Let's go see this thing that has happened. Here's, here's the point. I believe that the message came to misfits because ultimately we are all misfit. As a symbol and sign to say, hey, this isn't for the upper. This is for everyone. I mean, think about shepherds throughout the Bible. The first shepherd we have was, anybody? Abel. Abel was the first shepherd as far as we know. Uh, He brings a sacrifice, his brother Cain, it's jealous, he gets killed. It's not a good start for shepherds. It's not a good beginning. And, And then think of many, we could just go through the Bible and talk about different shepherds. Jacob, he deceived his brother. He had to run away. And what does he end up being? A shepherd. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt as an outcast in Pharaoh's court, murders an Egyptian, runs away, and becomes a... Shepherd. Shepherd's a good place to hide for those who are uh, in trouble. He spends 40 years as a shepherd, as an outcast, as a misfit, and then he spends another 40 years leading a million misfits out of Egypt into the promised land. Even David, who was the shepherd who was to become king and was a man after God's own heart, who wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you think about it, David was an adulterer, a murderer, a conniver. I mean, we have political leaders who have some problems, but I mean, David was, he had major issues. I'm wondering, again, that point that we're all misfits. Sin has separated us from God, and we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And as a result, we are not where we're supposed to be. There's this separation. And, and, and until we come to the point where we see ourselves as not fit for heaven, unless we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll always think we deserve more than we actually deserve. The message comes first to shepherds. Sin has separated us from God. Jesus came. To restore that relationship the shepherd said let's go and see we all need to see Christ for who he is and what he's done in our lives so the first point which you I think know clearly is that the message comes to comes to shepherds here's the second point which is a little harder and it's this the message comes through shepherds here's the scripture So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So, the shepherds get angels. The shepherds get glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. God's favor is resting upon you. The shepherds got glory... But everybody else, what do they get? They get shepherds. We all want the angelic word. We want the burning bush. We want the Damascus Road. But if you look at the Bible, it really seldom happens that way. That is the unique. Now, God can do it, but many times... How God chooses to speak is through the ordinary. Even the outcast. Even the misfit. The message comes through shepherds. Think about Elijah. We looked at this passage not too long ago where Elijah's trying to hear from God and there's this earthquake and wind and fire. And finally, God speaks to Elijah through a still, small voice. In the New Testament... Jesus gathers his 12, and then after he's crucified and rises from the dead, he's got 11 left, and he spends 40 days with them, and they get to touch his side, and they get to hear him teach, and they get to eat with him, and they get to experience the resurrected Lord. And then he leaves, and we get them. We get the disciples. We get the message through them. What does this mean? I think that, I believe that for many of us, we need to know that the message of Christ is delivered to us through imperfect vessels. Many times what we want is the special. I mean, think about it. Where where did you hear the gospel for the first time? Many of you probably heard the gospel from your parents, family, family or friends, or maybe through a, a, a pastor, a preacher like me. And all of those are imperfect vessels. As a matter of fact, any person that you've heard the message through is imperfect. The huge temptation is this. We, we many times reject the message because of the state of the messenger. And here's the point. There are no perfect messengers outside of, like, angels or visions of Christ. But everyone else of us who delivers the message, we're imperfect. And many times we want to reject the message like, who are they to tell me that I'm a sinner? Who are they to tell me? I mean, look at their life. They're imperfect. We want... (laughs) We want successes, but what God sends us many times is failures. I I was thinking about this as I was thinking about how God delivers the message. And, of course, I was drawn to that spectacular Damascus Road experience that Saul, later become Paul, has. So he gets a Damascus Road experience. But what does Jesus say to him in that vision that he gives him? He says, Saul, Saul. Why are you kicking against the goads? Now we we don't we're not shepherds, so we don't really know this whole goad thing. But goads were like sharp pointed sticks that the shepherds would poke the sheep with to try and keep them in line, to keep them from going in dangerous ways. And and I think that what one of the things that Christ is saying to Saul that then comes to us is. Look, many times I'm going to put problems in your life to keep you on track. Pointed things that are going to help direct you. That's what the people are in our lives. They don't say things right. They're not always successful. I mean, think about marriage, for instance. When we get married we 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 have this ideal that there's gonna we're we're, we're bringing someone in and we're going to be partners and we're going to we're going to counsel one another and we're we're going to show each other certain things and and there's gonna come a day where my 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 wife, my friend and my counselor, she's gonna sit down with me and she's gonna say something like now honey with gentleness and firmness and a balance between loving and affirming, I want to help you and show you the places where you need to grow. (laughs) I don't know about you. We've got a great marriage, but that ain't happening. It's not the way things get pointed out at my house. It's not the way relationships, and many times it's like this poking on me that then stuff comes out of me that I didn't even know was there. And then, if it wasn't the marriage, it was the children. I thought I had taken care of a lot of the flesh in my life. And then I had kids. And I realized I have m- even more in me. This morning, uh, we, uh, our, our old fridge died. And so we bought a new fridge. And it's really pretty. It's, it's stainless steel, stainless, you know. And um, it, it's got no handles on it. And it's like French doors at top and French doors at bottom. And I'm like, I'm looking at the fridge trying to think, how do I open this fridge? And so I realized that, that actually it's kind of a hidden handle in the bottom of the French doors on the top and the French doors on the bottom. So i the fridge, shutting the fridge, open the fridge. You know, you get a new fridge, you just open and shut it. I don't know why you just do that. So Kathy's looking at me. She said, hey, uh, could you do me a favor? And when you open and shut it, don't put your fingers on the front of it because it creates fingerprints right there. And I'm like, trying to open the door on the fridge. And I, and I turn to her and say, no, I can't. This fridge, it's going to have fingerprints. Just know right now this fridge is having fingerprints. Listen, it's, it's dumb, I know, but... Something actually rose up within me and said, wanted to say, no, this stinking fridge will have stinking fingerprints on the front of it, because no man is going to open the fridge like this. Look, we need to get over ourselves and understand that the message, the message comes through shepherds. The message that God wants you to, to have, I, I've, I, I remember one of the very significant words that God gave for me when I was in my mid-twenties came through a person who I didn't like at all. I mean, really, when it just came down to it, I had, I had judged them, I had, I had thought some things about them in my head, there were some relational differences that occurred, in some way, God used a word spoken to them, delivered to me, that changed my life. And it took me, it, honest, it was a response that made me, my first response was, ain't no way. Yeah, there's a way. The shepherds went and told everybody, the outcasts, the misfits, who had been changed, who were couldn't even go in the temple to worship, couldn't testify in court. That's who God not only chose to give a vision to, but who God chose to send as the very first messengers to share that the Christ was born. He's speaking to you. God is. And not only that, but God is speaking to you at times through problem people. He's speaking through flawed individuals. I want to encourage you today, and you may not hear much else I've said today, but please receive this message. Receive the message, however God wants to deliver it. Third point is, the message is about a shepherd. It was to shepherds, the message comes through shepherds, and ultimately the message is about a shepherd's. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds went away rejoicing. Why? Because they had, they had seen the baby. Look, I, I like babies. I, I've got a grandson now, and it's special. I love seeing him. And I, I like to tell people about my grandson. I, I was with a friend yesterday who from college, and I was showing her a picture of the grandbaby. But there was something different about this baby. I mean, really, that the shepherds would go and tell everybody, hey, we saw angels, we saw the baby, we went, we're going to tell you about this baby. Why? Because this baby was different. We're, we're reading through the Bible. And this past week, we read out of the, uh, the prophet Micah. Micah was written 750 years, 700, 750 years before Christ was born. And in, in Micah 2, it's 5, excuse me, verse 2, it says this. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah." though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the lord in the majesty of the name of the lord is god and they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace 750 years before christ is born the shepherd, the great shepherd, is prophesied that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And on that night, outside of Bethlehem, the shepherds get the vision of the angels. They go down to Bethlehem, and they see the child that was prophesied 750 years before. How can they not go and share? Some 30 years later, you know, Bethlehem is, is the city of David. The city of bread, the place where it's And Some 30 years later, Jesus stands and says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I threw this in this because this is about us. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. And and he's saying to his followers, hey, I'm the great shepherd. Sheep know my voice. Oh, by the way, I've got some others who aren't even in this pen yet. That's the Gentiles, us. Talk about misfits in the Jewish mindset. We're way out there. We're not even in the pen We're not even in the region, but Jesus talks about us. You see, the the message comes to outcasts and misfits, and it comes through outcasts and misfits so that the one who is really the great shepherd can bring us all together as one in his family of faith. Here's the question we're going to be answering in the days ahead. What child is this? He's a shepherd and a king, like his ancestor David. He is the one who will provide for and protect all who are under his care. He is the one who left all the riches and comfort of heaven to look for the ones who went astray. By the way, that's all of us. He came to seek and save those who are lost. He came to to lay his life down for the sheep, for us. We're going to come to the table of the Lord. And we're going to take of this bread and we're going to take of this cup. There is in this a testimony that we were once misfits and outcasts because of sin. But because of his blood that was shed for us, we have forgiveness of sins. Praise God. We are forgiven. We're a forgiven people. And when we take of the bread, which was broken, it, it, it's his body. And in it, it, it symbolizes and says, hey, we who were broken, we who were many, now because of his body, we, we are one. We're like the, the ship of misfit toys or whatever. But we're on the same boat because of Jesus. He's brought us together. And, and he's made us one. It's one of the reasons I think when Paul says, look, don't take of this in an unworthy manner. Because like shepherds who are outcast, the good shepherd has made us one. Now, with him in us, what are we to do? to go and tell. We're to go and tell. I mean, really, if you think about this, the shepherds, don't you think in some ways they could have been embittered? Eh, We can't go to temple. We can't testify in court. We've, We've seen the baby. Let's just keep it on the down low. We're special. No, they couldn't wait to tell people about the glory they had seen. Was it bragging? I don't think so. I think it was. We can't keep this message to ourselves. We have to share it with the world. I want to invite you to the table of the Lord and listen. We come as even even those in Christ. We come in positions of weakness. We've all had our stuff to go through. We've all struggled with life, but in him we are made complete. Receive the completeness that he has for you both now and in the future. Pray with me, if you would. Lord, we thank you this morning for your life, for your word, for your glory. Lord, I I acknowledge this morning that many of us, we, we want angels. We want bright lights and Damascus Road experiences, but God, you bring us each other. You bring us shepherds, and I pray, Lord, that we will be receptive to your word in whatever form it comes. Lord, I pray this morning that even through this bread and this cup that you would direct us. This is the bread of your presence. This is the cup of forgiveness. I pray, God, we would meet with you. We would be forgiven. We would be made whole this morning. Lord, we thank you and bless you. We glory in you. Meet us here. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to the table of the Lord. Middle sections, if you would, come down the middle aisles. Outside